Hello, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 19 of the JV Club with my guest, Grace Bonnie. I am very excited about this. This episode I actually recorded uh, the same weekend that I recorded Connie Chung in New York. Both of those amazing women um, were available to meet with me when I was uh, shooting something in New York last year, and I was so lucky to get the opportunity to sit down with them. But just to put it into context of a time frame, that was... um a little bit ago. So you'll note no new games again this week um, because it's an older episode. But I do want to encourage everyone to check out the Pinterest uh, JV Club identity. I don't know why I'm, I'm using a word like I have never heard of Pinterest before. I'm aware of it. I appreciate it. Jules is uh, running that for me and us, all of us. And uh, I obviously would encourage you to go to the Facebook page as well. I try to get those pictures up there. I was a little behind in getting the Maria Bamford pictures up because I was traveling. But um, speaking of the Maria Bamford episode, thank you so much for all the amazing feedback that you guys sent. So many lovely comments uh, via Twitter and Facebook and iTunes. Um, I really, really, really appreciate it. And I know Maria does too. It's... It could be a little scary to put yourself out there in that way, and it was just so amazing to get so many lovely and personal responses that were encouraging and heartening, and um, it's exciting to feel like you're a part of a community of people that you can really connect with, and that's how I feel about all of you guys when you reach out. I'm going to throw out a few names. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm recording these intros, it feels like my swallowing is so belabored that it takes like five times the normal amount of time it takes to just swallow. Anyway, listen, I want to thank Caroline uh, from Facebook, Tammy for your Facebook message, Liz and Allie for your Facebook and Twitter messages, Sam, who also left some beautiful iTunes feedback, um, Damon on Facebook, Ashley sent me a great email, Chris N, a lovely email. I already gave Jules a shout out, but she's, uh, I'm calling her an associate producer of the show at this point because she's been helping me a lot. And that the same goes for Heather and and Victoria. Um, love you guys. Lee sent me a stunning, stunning email. Danny M on Twitter, Bill on Twitter, Jeremy, Lucy, Patrick, and Daniel on Twitter on the Nerdist website for the Maria Bamford episode, Jenny B, Mark, Anna, MQ, Alec, Carolyn, John, Adam, and Seth. Your comments were read and uh, cherished, as always. Whew. Getting back to the Grace episode that you guys are about to hear, I don't know, some of you guys may not uh, know Design Sponge. It's a very, very popular um, kind of design home style website. It's, you'll hear me say this on the podcast, but it's my homepage whenever I open up my browser. I've loved it forever. I don't know if I've talked about it that much on the podcast, but I, I do have a background in interior design. I probably have told you guys that before, but I was a project manager for an interior design firm and, and I worked in a buying office of an upscale kind of home furnishing store in San Francisco. That was, I call that my old life. And so I really have a love of all that stuff. I love Etsy. I love craft fairs. I love high end, low end. I mean, I'm just, I just love it all. And uh, Grace is a real uh, hero of mine in that world. So if you haven't checked it out, um, I would say do so, uh, if you like beautiful, lovely things that make you feel good. And I, and I don't mean that in a, in a commodification commercial kind of way. I mean, in an aesthetic way. Um, 
So many, many thanks to her for doing the podcast. She has a, a, a ton of fans out there, and she's on television and in magazine spreads all the time. So I felt uh, a little starstruck, but I thought she was a great guest. And um, the day that this podcast episode comes out, I will be at Comic-Con doing a Cora panel. And I'm so excited about that. And I'm, I'm so excited to meet some of you guys today um, at, the, at, the, at Comic-Con. So can't wait for that. And what else do I want to say? I guess that's about it. This is a very, very, very long intro when all said and done. But thanks for listening, guys. And um, I hope to hear from you. Okay, bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. You're listening to the JV Club. I am here with my guest, Grace Bonnie, who, in addition to having one of the coolest websites I've ever seen, also has maybe one of my favorite names. <laughs> I rarely hear that. That's so such a you. great, it's just a great name. Like, what if you were a jerk? You cannot be a jerk <laughs> with the name Grace Bonnie. It's such a beautiful, oh, sweet thanks. name. I always get a lot of grief whenever I go through like customs or things like, like you have a last name for a first name or you have a first name for a last name. Yeah, uh, people are not down with the two names. I guess not. not I would fans. say that you have a first name for a first name and a last name for a last name. That's, it's that's not B-O-N-N-I-E. Oh, Hello. Music to my ears. Guys, yes. it's G-R-A-C-E. But explaining that to somebody at LaGuardia is really not... You don't want to get into yeah. spelling. <laughs> Listen, let me it. let me talk to you about this yeah. guy, person who doesn't care about me and just <laughs> just giving me a hard time. Um, so I'm so glad that we're able to do this. Uh, I've been such a fan of yours for such a long time. Um, Grace, you know this already because I've said this in every email <laughs> I've sent to you. But your uh, website Design Sponge is my home page that comes Thank up you. when I open up my browser, and um, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's been a real detriment to me in terms of time <laughs> consumption because I should have my email page be what opens up so I can just get going on things. And I hear instead, that a lot. right? I, I feel responsible for like a lack of productivity at companies across the world. <laughs> it's true. It's like let me let me go through this website for an hour and then maybe I'll get around to my life. Yay. Well, there's like you know paint and decorate ideas work i don't you know there's no contest there's no contest i keep trying to find ways to justify uh trolling your site as like and now and now i can for a while because i can be like yeah she was a podcast (laughs) guest so technically for the next six months i should probably spend most of my time on design sponge it's research it's research um and i did i will say i did uh enjoy a lot of different interviews there are a lot of interviews of you online um you've done a lot of tv guest appearances as well um there are only a couple of audio interviews that i'm aware of mm-hmm. and um and then in the written interviews i th- uh, it seems like people focus a lot more on kind of your design knowledge and your experience and and the site itself and shopping recommendations and decorating yes. and all that um a couple of them got into some kind of fun nerdy dorky stuff which That's of course i'm more fun of, right I get asked the same questions a lot you're not going to get asked very many <laughs> questions at all about design sponge um but i do think that and uh and i know i talked to you a little bit about this before we 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 jumped in but um you know, kind of the idea behind this particular podcast is finding those things that unify us and in particular, 
finding things to be inspired by and to kind of take heart in with women that I think have 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 made spectacular achievements and have really done things to inspire not only me but hopefully our listeners as well. So, um, so it's the fact that you are a normal human being that uh, <laughs> I think is appealing to people who are listening to this right now. They Thanks. we want to know what makes all of us alike and silly and yeah. and and. Uh, how to deal with our heartbreaks and things exactly. and things like that. So, um, and I didn't find too much out there uh, on you. Uh, in fact, when I started googling words that I knew were true, like <laughs> where you went to college and stuff, yeah. it just sort of the the honestly one of the most personal things that came up was a wedding announcement from oh, the New yeah. York Times. I was yeah. like, oh no, no, I know what her cute <laughs> husband real looks human like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was adorable. Um, and I know that you like Fish, the band Fish. I used to. I'm a reformed hippie. Did you go see them when they reunited this last time? Though? No, I didn't. But that was my first job. I worked for Mike, who's the bass player. Oh, I worked on his solo album for okay. the very brief stint in, uh, in the record industry. And what did you do for him? I was basically a gopher. I worked for this indie label called Rope-A-Dope, which is like the worst name for a label ever. <laughs> and, uh, I was like an intern slash, I think they called me a ministress of information, which basically ministress. means like you do everything because there are two employees. And Got it. I was the lone hippie on staff. And so they basically were just like, you know, you do this. And I, I loved Mike. I thought he was really fun to work with. And I think he thought nice. I was fun. So. It was an interesting Mike job. from Fish. Yeah. Not many people can say that who really now do what you job do. to have right out of the gate. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> okay, so t- let's let's uh let's do some rewinding and um you're from Virginia Beach, Virginia? I am. And you're an only child? I am. I am also an only child. <gasps> only child. Yeah. Right. Um and I did read something uh where you kind of talked about that a little bit, but if you wouldn't mind delving into that, did you were your parents together? Did they yes. were they split? Yeah. My parents were still together. Um nice. yeah, I was an only child like with a capital O. Yeah. Um, I just, I've always been like a really solitary person. And it's funny because I have this job where I interact with a lot of people every day. But for the most part, I've chosen a way to interact, which uh, like limits the access I have to have with people, which I don't think most people actually realize. But I'm not that outgoing. I'm not super social. I really prefer to sort of stay at home and control the way I can interact with people. Like if you put me in a large group of real people, it's it's a little (laughs) overwhelming for me. All of those eyes and faces and... Yeah, well, it feels like being on. I think it's hard. And I think uh, growing up, I really learned to like retreat into my own world. And I would write a lot. And I would listen to music just like obsessively. And so I think that growing up with that, I really need a lot of that time in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I need a lot of alone time and a lot of time to just like write or read or listen to things and not interact with other people. And it doesn't seem like it's a coincidence to me. Um, It actually brings up one of the things I was going to say straight away, which is uh, for those of you who don't know Design Sponge, I I feel there are probably very few if you're listening to this, but it's such a great um, inspirational resource for things, uh, you know, kind of specific to home and design, but it it's more than that it branches out to more than that and and kind of the way in that grace and her various contributors have to that the kind of lifestyle world is very much not about being a a consumer it's not about the consumption of goods and it's not about materialism it's about um this is my take on it anyway but it's it's about the sort of the nest and the need and i think it's interesting what you just said that idea of needing to have that time to decompress and that time where you're good alone, having an atmosphere that really reflects that and kind of nurtures that. Yes. 
I think it's so crucial to have a space, whatever your space is, whether it's a studio or your house or somewhere else that feels like who you are and that nobody else really gets access to and that you get to just be your full authentic self yeah and i think for some people they they're comfortable doing that with a lot of people around them and for me i really feel my most authentic self when i'm by myself um and so i think having a house that feels like me and is only filled with the things that mean something to me is really important it's why i sort of steered the site away from shoppiness i think pretty early on yeah yeah um what was your bedroom like When you were like a teenager, for example. (laughs) I was just talking about this with my friend. uh, We were on book tour last week. Uh, It went through many phases. I I fortunately had a mom who let me do sort of whatever I wanted within reason. I mean, I wasn't allowed to like go crazy on the walls, but I could make it over. I went through some really unfortunate lavender phases (gasps) with purple walls and I believe a coordinating grapevine uh, wallpaper border. That was before I discovered like Riot Girl music and then everything changed after that. (laughs) How old were you when you when you did? Because I had a similar yeah. phase like that, where it was like I went from oh to like oh yeah, exactly. I'm getting goth on this. I went from like my mom dressed me in Ashley or Laura Ashley pantsuit, not pantsuits, what do you call them? Jumpers every uh-huh. day. To they sent me to an all girls summer camp in West Virginia, which does not sound like it would be something they would introduce you to like L seven, but that's what happened. And I met How a bunch. Were of, you? Uh, I think I was like thirteen. This is so weird. Because my crazy thing happened when I went to a Mormon (laughs) girls camp that my mom sent me to. Same thing. Like, you'd never think that that's where it would happen. (gasps) Yeah. And this was a real, like, old school. It was a super Christian camp. And I used to pretend to be Jewish so I didn't have to go to the church services. And because I had dark hair, everyone assumed that I was. Um, So so kind of a homogenous culture you were a part of. And I mean, I grew up in Virginia Beach. It's basically all blonde people Mm -hmm. and surfers and skaters. And I didn't really fit in. And so... Going to summer camp with girls who are a bit more like me was just like exploded my brain and we would all make mixtapes for each other. And for the most part, it was girls from that general area of West Virginia, Maryland, Virginia. Um, But there were a couple older girls who were like, you know, 16, 17, and they would bring in. I remember it was like L7 was my introduction into that. And they would bring in, you know, just sort of like Keeney Kill, Slater Kinney, And that just blew my mind and I just I, I so firmly identified myself with music I think a lot of teenagers do and it's so important right I mean it remains yeah. important but it's really important then. it was I was I didn't care about clothes I didn't care about sports I didn't care about anything else I just cared about music and I think that's what everybody does I wasn't really into like you know the buttons on your jacket type thing but I, I was sort of that type of kid without dressing that way yeah it's so interesting and so when that transformation happened for you musically and in terms of your style how did that affect to your home it changed everything i mean i think it's what got me through those like torturous teenage years because i just didn't fit in and nobody really seemed to understand me and i didn't understand anybody else all i knew was that it was going to get better but not until i was like way the hell away from virginia beach at least you had the foresight to know <laughs> some some I, teens I feel like it's never gonna sort of got that i wasn't social and they didn't force they weren't like you have to join the soccer team they were just kind of like you work hard, you're a good kid, this is going to get better, don't worry about it, like, you're going to go to college, you'll hit your stride, and I didn't, that didn't even really happen for me in college, it wasn't until after <laughs> college, I really felt like I felt comfortable with who I was, but I think at that young age, I just knew that, like, there were people out there who would get me, and it was just about trying to put myself in a place where I was more likely to see those people, so yeah. I hedged everything on which college I went to, and that meant so much to me, not for academics, but just, like, where can I find people who are like I Yeah, so, so, 
so obviously as an only child, sounds like you were spending a lot of your time alone because you <laughs> you literally chose aloneness over yes. I'm going to feel lonely in a crowd of people yeah. or I'm going to feel less lonely by myself where at least I know I'm understood. Yeah. And that was also like the golden age of the beginning of the internet. Like, I don't know if anyone listening remembers Prodigy, not the band, but the internet <laughs> Sure. And uh, my dad had that installed on his computer and I would talk to people like in Seattle or something and I would talk to them about Nirvana and we would, oh. it was like a message board and that was the early form like pre-AOL and all of that and um, that was my connection to the outside world and I made like weird internet friends that I don't even know if these were actual young girls my age oh no I believe that they were they were yeah Yeah, but I think that like having that outside connection I watched a lot of MTV and I was like oh there are people out there who who look like me and act like me and they're just not here in Virginia but you had maybe some a couple of good friends no some other outcasts some misfits I didn't really like make a lot of good girlfriends until I was way way older I think I just didn't care enough to try to fit in I think that I sort of skimmed along the surface I just worked really hard and I made you were a good student yeah, I just I never really wanted to rock the boat because I saw everything as a roadblock to me getting out of Virginia Beach. And then mm. if I did anything to mess up, that meant I would be stuck there. <gasps> I'd have to go to UVA. I would just it was a perfectly good school, but I just didn't. I just it was the last thing I wanted to do was just yeah. stay with the same group of people. Yeah. So did, so did you didn't do stuff like go to your prom or like did. what did, what were I your mean, hobbies when you were in high school aside from being a good student? Um, I mean, I think that I found an outlet for that sort of aggro side of me that was that I connected with with music and field hockey. I actually did play a sport, but I think I picked a sport where even though it's a team sport, it's very much about which position you're in. Mm-hmm. And I picked a position that I thought was like the most lonery position on the <laughs> team ever. Not the goalie, but I was just a oh. wing and I was just like, you're in your own side of the field. That's- you never so cross funny. over and it was my outlet for like aggression and I loved it but I, I never really like clicked with anybody on the team I didn't want to like have sleepovers I just preferred to like create my own community so I ended up uh, teaching field hockey to little girls instead and I felt much more comfortable being in charge of like a group than yeah. being one of like 20 other girls who were yeah. supposed to like face paint and stuff it just wasn't for me okay so you had the Sleater Kenny and the L7 stuff going <laughs> Um, what, like, what movies and books were you super excited about? And you must have had those, too, like, those friendships that you make with not just bands, but, like, this movie that you can turn back to time and again, like Harold and Maude or whatever, or, like, a book that you, you know, a book or an author that you feel like you really connect with. I think I didn't bond with anyone in my school until probably later when my so-called life came out, Mm. which I think if you were, like, a younger person in the 90s was just, like, a given that it's a part of your arsenal. And so I think that my friends who I met who liked that show, that meant a lot to me. Nobody that I grew up with read a lot. I don't know. They read the required reading and Mm -hmm. then that was it. So I didn't have a lot of friends to bond with over that. And like zines weren't a huge thing in Virginia Beach yet. Um, So nobody really had anything written to bond over. It was more about music. And I had a really good friend. We both loved Green Day and Fugazi. (laughs) And so we, we bonded over that. But reading really wasn't a huge part of my like friend connection until college yeah did and and so you did go to your prom you said I and did. how what were what, did With you a ha- friend there were... who did not live in virginia Beach. <laughs> okay there we go there yeah. we go i just never that never worked out for me um, boys was, yeah let's talk about boys in high school uh, boys in high school suck i don't I know mean... i just never got them it was so i just remember thinking like i i really did kind of get it early on that like none of this was going to matter yeah. and that it all was so dumb and you were supposed to date like specific people within your own 
community. And so there wasn't of, even some male version of you off in a corner somewhere writing poetry. And like there was, I had I I think for like a good fifteen years of my life nursed a crush on a guy uh, who went to, I went to middle school with who was part of my friend group. All of my when I finally made good friends in high school, they were all guys and they were all like really geeky guys. And all of us, I think, if you went down like the class rank, we were like one through six. We were just like the kids who didn't eat lunch in the classroom. We hung out in like the gifted classroom. Yeah. Um, so it was like seriously geeky, but they're still my best friends. Did they play D&D? No, they weren't quite there, but they were like, they were the kids who were going to like program the next video game. Like, yeah. They weren't so much into existing stuff as like making things. And, um, and they were fantastic. So I think they, I was more happy to hang out with them. And so I just went to prom with a friend. And I bet you some of those guys had huge crushes on you though, if you were like the, the lone girl in there. I don't know. I mean, probably looking back, but I was madly in love with the, with one of them who I think it wasn't until like he got married and had a kid that I fully like let go of. This in is my a head. good John Hughes movie that we've just described. <laughs> yeah, what John totally Hughes movie was. do you identify with? with do you feel like pretty in pink uh the breakfast club um 16 candles i think breakfast club i mean i don't mm-hmm. think i'm i was any of those i think i'd be a mix between ali sheedy's character and uh molly ringwald so i don't know maybe I, you'd be a mix between anthony michael hall's character <laughs> and totally. ali sheedy's character totally that. yeah that sounds like i don't good, know if you were claire the princess you might have been a little bit nerdy thing was that i like on the outside i didn't i wasn't like an angry goth girl i just looked really normal but i think because i wasn't super social people assumed i was like bitchy mm. or really cold and i was just like no i'm just not gonna do this like i didn't drink i didn't like go to crazy parties i just wanted to get out of virginia beach i knew the best way to do that <laughs> was to just put your head down and work and then wait till you can get out of there yeah so what did you so so you said picking colleges that was a big yeah. choice for you that was a big deal what did you what did you what was what was on the, the the list of musts and like what schools did you look at and when you were trying to make a decision i wanted to go well it's funny i went to the summer program when i was i think think in high school, but it could have been the end of middle school, I'm forgetting, called Governor's School. And it was, some states have this, and it's basically like geek camp, except they it break It sounds like a BBC series. Yeah, and it was, so I went to like the liberal arts one, and it was the University of Richmond, and it was the kids who were writers and also the performing arts, which note to people who organize those things, do not combine performing arts and the writing arts people, because <laughs> the performing art kids are brutal. And we had different <sighs> colored buttons. And so all of the theater kids would walk around and we were blue buttons and they would be like, boo, blue buttons. Are you serious? Because we weren't like amazing enough to be, to be hanging out with them. But I oh. made some of my really good friends in that writing program. And that was where I saw, it's so cheesy, but I saw the, the performing art kids at the end of the summer term performed Rent. Which oh, I love it. I, I, you know, it's, it doesn't get more cliche than that. It, do, but it really doesn't. It was one of those things where I just thought, I want to be surrounded by people like this all the time. Not necessarily musical theater, but just kids who are just exploding with talent yeah. and motivation. And every single one of them wanted to go to New York. And I just thought, I am going to New York with them. And I don't know what I'm doing there, but that's where I'm going. And so that's I set my sights on NYU like every other kid who hates high school. And that's But listen to, to how interesting. It's so interesting just describing... It does really, I mean, not to turn you into like a mathematical equation, (laughs) but it does make sense to me. Like the piece of you that needed to be alone. I mean, now I'm just your shrink, right? Um, (laughs) This is what I'm hearing you say, Grace. Uh, But like the piece of you that needed to be alone, meeting, but 
meeting the group of guys who were sort of like in the tech world and were like into what the next thing was going to yeah. be and made it seem possible. Like I didn't have friends who like I had a lot of super artsy friends and yeah. I had a lot of friends kind of in the gift of program and stuff. But I feel like they were much more like she's a painter and he's a writer. Yeah. And I don't I didn't I don't feel like I was exposed to like the Internet, honestly, yeah. the way um I could have been with other kind of creative friends and it's and in my mind I think to myself like oh this makes sense to me that Grace would start this great site because yeah. for me it was like that's not the answer like the internet isn't my window yeah. into the world but it seems like between that and then this other impetus you found with this other group of creative kids who were really super motivated yeah. to go to New York and stuff like it all feels like it is kind of coming together to, to form what yeah, you ended up it's doing. it's funny because those guys I was friends with in high school actually didn't really expose me to the internet. They, they played like a different but really pivotal role in my life which was all the girls at our school just kind of got pegged as if you were really smart you were just like dorky nobody liked you and I just always lived in this in-between zone of like where I was smart but I wasn't like crazy smart so I just was happy to live in between but all those guys really challenged me to like break the mold of what girls did in high Mm -hmm. school and so like no girls ever took AP chemistry or physics or computer science and they were all like why wouldn't you and I was like I'm a girl (laughs) they were like who cares go isn't that interesting still in our generation you would think I know this was like 1998 1999 yeah and they really pushed me and I did horribly in those classes but just being in them and trying and having friends that were like who cares like we're gonna be the top anyway you just keep up the bottom it's fine but I think that that really gave me that sort of confidence I needed to be like screw it I don't care if this isn't a girl thing to do I'm going to do it and that really helped me I think just bypass traditional jobs from the beginning I never felt like I had to go work for a big company or any of that I just felt like doing something on your own always seemed like an option from the get-go that's super cool and and so going back to my so-called life was that like your tv group of friends like yeah oh, i mean who this is my other who didn't family see themselves as angela chase like who didn't yeah. also want to be friends with angela chase like, you really she... sound like an angela chase though like, i really don't... identified with i mean i think everybody did but i i was like no i'm angela chase. <laughs> did you I dye really... your hair red I dyed my hair blue, but my hair is pretty close to black, so it really didn't show up, but I felt like a badass. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just was like, I'm her. I get it. I totally get it. But, and so I really clung to that. I remember they didn't show the finale on television, and Uh my public library in Virginia Beach screened it (gasps) as the final episode, and it was me. I just remember looking around the crowd of girls at the library, and we all looked exactly alike. (laughs) And I was just like, where were all of you? Why are you not in my high school? Why are we meeting at the finale right now? But I mean, and then I met all those girls at NYU. Like it was just such a haven for people who were unhappy. With <laughs> and you went to your prom with a friend. You said was it a girlfriend or a boyfriend? A boyfriend. One of the from, guys from the yeah, group. Just, he was a guy I met at Governor's School. Okay. Equally geeky, and we were just friends. And he was from Boston, and he was really into being from Boston. So he drank way too much to try to show off. And Hilarious. I pretended I wasn't with him. At the prom. <laughs> he was like throwing up all over some beach house, and everyone was oh, like, no. "Who's with that guy?" And I just remember being like, "I gotta go." <laughs> oh no! So wait, what was terrible. your prom like? Was it just like the culmination of the nightmare of that was high school? It was well, if you unfortunately graduated in 1999 like I did, that terrible Green Day song, "The Time of Your Life," was out. <gasps> you My bet it was. Class, minus myself all held hands and sang that song slowly swaying back and forth and I just wanted to run around like in a group punch and just punch everyone in the face <laughs> I just really was so unhappy so amazing it was gross. they all held yeah. hands they did they were so earnest about it it was just it was way too gross do you me. keep in touch with friends from high school 
Just one. Just one. Yeah. Just goes one. to my show. My best friend yeah. Brian from my friend group. Yeah. yeah. It just, that was it. I mean, it, they all went to the reunion and I was just like, why would I go? I yeah. mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be all like, you know, Wednesday Adams about it and not, <laughs> not go to anything, but it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't feel any need to really go back there. I enjoy going home. And when I do occasionally see people, it's nice, but I just didn't really enjoy high school or yeah. middle school. So let's talk about NYU. Well, you went to William and Mary. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. you Terrible. wanted to, yeah. So what happened? It was not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, New York was everything I thought it would be. I remember like the second my parents dropped me off being like, this is where I'm just the energy in New York City is palpable. It, yeah. I still feel that way every time I come home from something from a trip. But that school was just terrible for me. I don't think I realized that I actually needed a small school experience. Like I wish I had applied to, you know, like Barnard or something like that. I think that would have been better for me. But NYU, there's no there's no campus. There's no student. There wasn't a student center when I was there. My dorms were apartment style. So nobody really hung out together, did activities. Yeah. And I needed that because I yeah. wasn't particularly social. But yeah, I think, you were so aching for that experience because you yeah. didn't even get much of a pinch of it in high yeah. school. And so my roommates were um, all musical theater majors they were I mean they were exciting people to be around for a couple weeks and then I just wanted to leave and I wanted to transfer right away you knew right away you just knew I I knew I wasn't gonna stay it just the classes were huge it's just the way the college of arts and science it's funny because it actually replicated governor's school Mm. the kids who were in the performing arts things had really close friendships because they were small programs Mm -hmm. and those of us who were creative like we were writers but we weren't actually performers got like relegated to these you know 300 person classes where you just write your social security number down and not a name and it just didn't work for me so I wanted to apply or uh, apply to transfer every semester but my parents wouldn't let me they were like you have to stick it out you you pushed for this we didn't want you to go here so you need to stick it out and I'm I'm glad they did like I took some good classes um I met nice people. You were in New York, so you knew yeah. you were having a love affair with the city, if not the school. Yeah. So they eventually let me transfer. <laughs> so I went to William and Mary in Virginia and loved it. But I think I would have hated it if I had started there. Oh, you do? Yeah, because I had I had such a chip on my shoulder about being about Virginia like, and about in New York, and I was such an asshole. <laughs> I hated myself. I remember like seeing my dad. I like snuck onto his computer one time, and he wrote an email to a friend that was like, "She's got a chip on her shoulder, like the size of Virginia, and like oh. I don't know what's gonna happen to her when she gets to William and Mary." And, I got knocked down a few blocks and that was exactly what I needed. Yeah. And I failed my first class and I learned. So it's a better school. Like the curriculum was better. I mean, it's a really tough school and it has this like terrible reputation for like driving kids to do terrible things like because it's just such a hard school is it like dead poet society school where it's like they it's, what's so this is so hard it's really hard it has a really high suicide rate for that's i guess what i was yeah. suggesting which is i hate even saying it out loud but it's totally true and it happens every year right Yikes. before finals um do you think that it's the school or is it just the the caliber of student that's drawn there they're going to be kind of delicate uh geniuses who are there who might have that experience I think no matter they're, what they're less delicate than they are just I think they're products of families for whom there is only one outcome in life mm. you're going to do you're going to be a lawyer you're going to be a doctor you're going is to that what most people are, yes. are most people like a, pre-law it's pre-med like a pleated flat front khakis type of school like everyone's yeah. in a frat everyone's going to be a lawyer everyone's getting like their MRS degree like it's that type of school but there are really intelligent people and an amazing yeah. staff did you join a sorority no god no. They, i love that i asked that with the me. biggest smirk on my face no, that was clear i, I didn't radio think you station. um I'm, that's when i made all my hippie friends i switched from being a writing major to being a fine art major is this when you fell in love with fish also 
Yes, I did. Well, I fell in love with a boy who liked fish. And so that's how oh, I fell into that's it. That's a good gateway. I know. It was it was really bad. And that was a gateway into all sorts of terrible bands like String Cheese Incident and all that <gasps> sort of stuff. I know. What, who did? I was just thinking about that the other day because when I was in college, I fell in love with a guy who loved fish. And I never got on board for fish. I was definitely already on board for like Pink Floyd and yeah, kind of that that sort of where it's a whole other thing. Yeah. But there was someone that that he liked that was similar to that that I look yeah. back on now and I'm like, oh no. I mean, I still listen to my old radio. I had a jam band radio show, which I had to like fight to get because oh. it was an indie rock. And I think it's why I originally like I'm just now sort of accepting indie rock, even though I sort of liked it at a much younger age. I, I didn't realize how exclusionary it was until mm. college and how mean the rest of the radio station was. And they were <laughs> like, if you like this music, we won't be friends with you. So Who I, didn't you like? Do you remember like? bands that you were supposed to like as part of the radio station or like uh, you know things that you boards like. of canada uh-huh mm-hmm. I hate that band yeah i'm sure they're really nice people but i just couldn't get into it and it's funny because it even made me start to hate the like i remember slater, K- slater kenny was still around then and all my roommates were super into them but i just decided to get out of them right? because it was just too everyone else was too into it and everybody was forming like weird little bands that had weird names and <laughs> Which I would have loved. Like I would have loved yeah. to have been in a weird band and played an instrument. But but it sounds almost like there there is there can be kind of a coldness and a pretentiousness yes. that you you absolutely gravitated away from with bands that were like super yeah. encompassing and friendly and like we're yeah. grooving brothers and sisters. Exactly. All you have to do is wear it. All you Williams and Marys. Yeah. Exactly. So. I loved that. I mean, the, the jam community was so friendly, and that was just such a welcome change from both NYU and sort of like the indie scene. I mean, the pot helps. Yeah, it really does. For hugging it purposes. Helps. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it really does. I mean, I had friends who were in my like sculpture classes and stuff who would just come to school totally out of their mind. I don't know how oh. they got through anything, but... Did they... Did you... You never had dreadlocks. No, God. Did you have friends who had dreadlocks? Yeah, I briefly dated a guy who had like white boy dreads. They were really bad. He's still one of my good friends now, and I still like to pull those pictures out and just remind you of bad decisions he made. Um, I mean, I definitely had. I I don't I can't I don't think I ever dated anyone who had dreadlocks because I did. That was like sort of where I drew the line in terms of like I'm not sure if I can have those batten up against me. Do they smell? smell really bad yeah and maybe not, some people's don't but those were disgusting yeah it was awful dreadlocks i don't know yeah i made a lot of bad boy decisions in college <laughs> i was just i don't know that Can was, you describe some other bad boy decisions you don't have to name anyone by name no i think i just i didn't really know who i was and i was like oh this is when i'm supposed to do crazy things right like, right this is when craziness happens but right. if you go to a really preppy conservative virginia school there are not a lot of chances for crazy it's just i mean that that would have existed at nyu but i just i didn't stay long enough for that so i yeah. just sort of thought like who's this guy who's this guy all right let's try all this out and it was oh. just a bad idea and i think even at that age i was just i knew i was like pretty independent and confident about myself because i still at that point was just like defining myself against everybody else and i right. was like man these are still sort of the same kids right from middle school they're all super preppy all they care about is like the greek life and so it was just one of those things where i was like i don't really care so much i didn't didn't really fall for anybody seriously. Well, that's why you explained earlier that you kind of still, even at college, didn't yeah. really find your voice and find yeah. your place. So when did you, when did you start feeling like I, oh, I belong? Like this is an environment that I that I'm in that I belong. The jam band stuff, I guess. Yeah, when you're in college, I mean, I but feel, I always. 
always felt a little bit on the periphery of that group because I don't think I did enough drugs to fit in with that group. Like there was, that was sort of the status. Like there's always some some set of rules in every niche that you have to follow to be a member. Kind of, right? And yeah. I, I hate that because I wish there was just honestly a group that would accept you. Like even like religious groups, you have to follow like sets of rules. And yeah. I think even the hippies, it was like I never did enough drugs for them. I never wore enough hemp. Like there, weren't, there were all these like rules I didn't <laughs> oh. follow. I did make my own hemp belts and work at a Birkenstock store, How which dare I thought you. should have qualified I worked me, at but. a bead store and <gasps> sold like Grateful Dead like bear stickers oh, and just God. made jewelry all day. Yeah, that's you should have been right at the top of it. I know, and I just still didn't like fish. Yeah. I don't remember who I liked, who I was really into then. I think I was still like secretly harboring a love of indigo girls and stuff oh, like God. tucked away in the there i could never get into indigo girls oh but i did i think i always liked the end that was more bluegrassy like i really loved sure. like old school bluegrass and the way that well that's much cooler yeah so that worked its way into stuff that i thought was really nice um so i play a lot of that on my radio show but it wasn't until i started design sponge that i think i felt like i fit in and and you, that was, was because you i had to your make own. my own community yeah. like, i think there are a lot of people and i, I hope that there are more examples of this out, out there of women starting their own communities if they can't find one yeah. because that was what I needed to see that I didn't see it's up. hard it's hard not to be a joiner it's hard to yeah. not you know just go this is what's available to me this is what's out there this is what I I've come to know and I got to make a choice and try to make myself fit into one of these categories yeah. rather than or if you don't or be a loner how, you know? how do you let it not make you bitter yeah like, that was my real challenge I didn't want to be an angry girl like I really wasn't angry I had this like really aggressive side of my personality but I didn't want it to manifest as anger or just being like a I don't know a super aggro girl and so I didn't know what else to do with it and I think when I let that turn into motivation instead to create something that felt like me it just it was just I slid right into it because it design sponge has it there's I mean it's not I'm not saying it's toothless by any stretch of the imagination oh, no. but it's so positive and it's so inspiring yeah. and it's so sweet um so amongst these different things that are happening to you with your angst and with not fitting in, where does the loving of the textures and the things and the pretty and like for me, I knew I loved stuff. And, you yeah. know, we have you and I have a similar background and, you yeah. know, I worked in interior design and stuff before I ended up doing this stuff. But um, I knew like. I loved the way other people's houses looked. I knew I was yeah. fascinated by other people's homes, no matter what the style was, like walking home from a class in the evening and watching other people watch television yeah. and like seeing where they put everything and what they like. Mm-hmm. Did you have a similar? I still do that. I still walk down the right? streets in New York at night because you can see inside everybody's brownstones perfectly. It's so, I love that you, so, so you had, because it's not like you were like, listen, here I am at William & Mary. Now I'm going to start learning how to be an interior architect or now I'm yeah, going to start designing that. textiles or anything like that. So how did that kind of start fleshing itself out for you as a as an affinity? There were two really important things that happened. The first was I was a terrible artist and I had a professor at William and Mary who just made it his job to make my life a living hell and pulled me aside at one of my crits and was like, you have no business being here. You are not an artist. You are never going to make it. Is this like you drawing or painting? Yeah, this or, was like, yeah. he was my life drawing uh, teacher. And it, it's funny because we emailed now and, and everything's fine. But um, <laughs> he was really mean to me. And I had this visiting adjunct professor who was my printmaking teacher. And she just got me. 
And I will never forget, she was a total outsider at the school. Nobody liked her. She just like didn't play the game like you were supposed to as a teacher. And she was like, I totally know what you're going to do. And she was like, he has a point. You're not going to be an artist. She was like, you have a really good eye, but you're not like a maker. Hmm. And she was totally right. But her phrasing it that way, right. of like, I think you have a good eye. Unfortunately, you're not at a school that really teaches that. Like you're at a liberal arts school. Right. But she would just send me home with stacks of books of like, female product designers like you know Florence Knoll people like that and she would just say like learn about this like there's is a whole other yeah. field of furniture design interior design that exists that we aren't teaching here and that you're really not going to get how cool is it and tell I, I don't think we've told the nice folks at home what you majored in at this point and oh, it was art and art I was a yeah just a fine art and fine arts. William and Mary you have to do both so you yeah. do fine art and you do art history and you mm-hmm. have an emphasis and my emphasis was printmaking okay primarily how about that, that Ava Zeisel yeah, I, but I didn't even learn about Ava Zeisel until oh, after college. Like, yeah. I just couldn't get through all the books that Professor Peake gave me. Uh-huh. And I was just pouring into them. And I think I really learned to get empowered by seeing women doing that because we weren't taught that in class. Like, we really studied very few female artists. Sure. And after that, and after her sort of getting what I wanted to do, um, I would go home and I would watch Trading Spaces on TLC. Sure. And it was only about Genevieve Gorder for me. It was not about any other person. I hated Frank. I hated Hillary. <laughs> whole group. Um, and and I remember her being barefoot and covering a wall in moss. And that spoke to me in a way that nothing mm. had spoken to me before. I loved natural elements. I loved that it was sort of a DIY thing. And that it felt young and weird and like impermanent. And that to me was great. Because I was like, no one does that in interior design. Interior design has to be this perfect, clean, symmetrical, like neat, sanitary thing. And she was just slopping stuff all over the place and making walls out of rust paint and I just remember like that's that's what I wanted to do. And yeah. so I, that's when I really delved into interior design. I started paying more attention. I went back and studied like Dorothy Draper and people like that. And so that was really Professor Pete giving me books about female product designers and Genevieve Gorder's method of design really sort of what opened my ideas, my brain to design. Well, I'm so I, and I know this is something that you have talked about more, but I, we would be remiss if we did not talk about it a little bit on this podcast because it is such a uh, and incidentally for me ended up being so female centric which i i say sometimes on the podcast like i just wasn't planning on it I, i'm not like i hate boys everybody um by any stretch of the imagination but just finding what was really motivating me yeah. and what was like t- moving me was very lady oriented and um one of the things guys that you i'm sure are familiar with on the website and one of the things that grace started doing really early on when it really was just kind of you and then mm-hmm. gradually you had more and more contributors but um is the biz lady stuff yeah. um can you talk about that a little i know you've had to talk about it sure. before no, but uh, for the purposes of yeah oh my gosh great. really i feel like that people would ask about that all the time because I feel like there's such a culture of and actually I wouldn't mind if you touched on this a little bit of like girl like da- like girls like getting each other's way and girls yeah. not liking each other and girls feeling competitive that in that sucks. way and, and how it doesn't have to be that way yeah, please that, please talk um, <laughs> I started Biz Ladies back in 2007 I think uh, or maybe 2008 uh, because uh, my friend Rena Tom used to own a store called Rear Device in uh, Brooklyn she'd have people over to her apartment to basically just sort of like have wine and cheese and talk. And I remember at one of those meetings, all, we talked about how dealing with male business owners and they were condescending to us and having that little mini event session for like an hour, just I remember the next day feeling so empowered and excited and like, oh, there are other girls who deal with this. It's not just me. And then I thought, well, this is kind of important. And I think I mentioned it just in passing in a post and said that I had gone to this thing and it was really great. 
And I was overwhelmed by the response. People were like, oh my God, I wish I had that where I was. And I've always known what my limited skill set was. And one of those skills is being able to connect people. And so I thought, well, I can't give them the answers. I certainly don't have them. But what I can do is use any contacts or platform I have to let people build their own events. I tried to do that and people didn't really build them. So I was going to have to build them myself. So I did a couple in New York. And the first one, I thought there'd be maybe like 30 people there. I was like, just come. It's wide open. The admission for the event was uh, a canned good that we donated to City Harvest. And I think we had like 250 people <gasps> show up. Oh, my gosh. That and feeling. I would get choked up. Yeah, I would I see that and get all like misty. I they're here for some other event. Oh, they're there's a bit of a mistake. Uh, and it was great. And we had no plan. And we basically just like all talked to each other and had name tags that said like, I'm Grace, I'm a ceramicist. And everybody just talked. And then I thought, okay, I really need to like get my shit together for the next one. <laughs> I brought in experts in different fields. And we basically had a rotating 15 minute mini session in each event. And so because I just like to run with things really quickly, I thought, oh, I'm going to do this everywhere. And I thought, oh, I could get a sponsor or I could just keep this super indie. So I just paid for everything myself. And I went to, I think, nine different cities over 2008 and just set up these events, you know, like in Portland and in L.A. and Chicago. And I would bring in local experts, like people these girls could continue to work with after I left. And everybody just gave their time and advice for free. And we sent them home with worksheets and tips and I was just I was just sickened to think that there were girls out there starting businesses not knowing the basics of like writing a contract, paying taxes, and that was going to be what killed their business. I just want to point out to everyone that this is happening when she's in her like early to mid 20s, guys. <laughs> That's a go-getter right there. That's really impressive. (laughs) That's huge. A lot of people, myself included, well, that's not true. But I mean, like a lot of us spend, I mean, when I look at what I was doing in my early and mid 20s, I certainly could have made a career of it but yeah. now that now i feel like oh i was there was a lot of sort of me still trying to figure out who i was yeah. like i think i was supposed to be done but i wasn't and yeah i mean i think i've always been somebody who struggled with like who i am personally i'm always sort of like i don't know i feel like i go back and forth and like different things but the one thing i've always felt really good about was what i could accomplish and i felt like my parents always raised me to like set the bar really high and just aim for it and I don't, it's such a basic, simple way to like run your life, but it's how I run my life. And I like to set really high goals and just throw myself at them and see how far I can get. And I think with the biz ladies thing, that was what happened was it was just like, well, I can do one of these cities. What if I do two? What if I do 10? And so I just did as many as I could until I ran out of money. Basically, it was Uh, like, I have to stop paying for all this by myself. Yeah. Um, But it felt so good. And I just remember thinking, I'm so lucky to have this job that I have and I just didn't, I didn't feel right not giving back in some way. And I also thought if I don't educate this next sort of up and coming generation of designers and business owners, I'm not going to have anybody to write about either. Like all their businesses sure. are going to fail. And that was what inspired the scholarship the same year because there were all these young designers who didn't fit in traditional molds needed to require for, to be applying for scholarships. And I just thought if I can continue to use my platform to build up these people that I'm going to be covering in like five years, yeah. that's the best way to use it. And so tell, so speak a tiny bit, just so everybody knows about sure. the scholarship. I, I started a scholarship in 2007 to benefit uh, up-and-coming undergrad and grad design students. And it's just a no-strings-attached financial Who thing. feeds into it? 
uh, who applies. I mean, who oh, provides the scholarship? I paid for most of it at first. Oh I, I have gosh, a really bad Grace. habit of just being like, I shouldn't have any money. How dare you Let be a philanthropist? Um, so I did that for the first couple of years. And then we got sponsors that were just like our regular advertisers yeah. who would just donate money. Because I hate when kids have rules put on scholarships. Like, this must go to housing. This must go. Right. That's not how design happens. It's not how right. creativity happens. So right. I just, we've given away like 25 grand of just money to be like, do what you want. If that means you want to go to Copenhagen for two months, yeah. do it. And now those are kids who are like designing professional collections. And now we're writing about them as established designers. And it's awesome. That's so exciting. Um, I want to get back to personal stuff just for a second and say, with all of this marvelous ambition and with this. Um, and by the way, honestly, like considering what you've just described and the environment that you grew up in and feeling maybe like you didn't belong necessarily and kind of having this group of guy friends and everything i feel like it could have gone either way for you if you were a different person you could be kind of a girl hater yeah i mean you could be like oh yeah i don't relate to girls i relate to guys or like you know girls are are, are bad business yeah. or whatever well, and, i was like that for a while but you I, were so excited yeah. to meet but then when you started connecting with yes. women that you could that you could identify with perhaps there was a piece of you that was like had been so hungry for that that yeah you weren't crappy really, about it you I were needed, cool about it I needed really strong female role models and it wasn't like I didn't have that with my mom I just needed to see them running businesses and doing really ambitious things and succeeding and I think you just you just still don't get taught that in school you know what do you what do you say to people because I still feel like I come across this on a regular basis so many people say to me like oh this is such a tired conversation it's just not like that anymore what's your problem why are you doing something for women why are you talking about women like they're second-class citizens da 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 da. and because we're still treated like that i mean i still to this day have men who want to buy ads with us or want to do business with us and just ask if there's like a guy they can talk to at the company and i'm like no it's me it's just a five foot tall girl that you are going to have to meet with and and i hate having to you have your first name is your last name and your last name is your first name is bonnie um, it's just one of those things where I and I hate having to justify myself in terms of like numbers and traffic. And so I feel like if I don't feel like somebody respects me based on accomplishments, and they just see me as numbers, it won't work with them. And it's, you know, it's kept my business at a at a level where like I can't explode and have all this money like other companies do. But that's fine with me because I feel really good about myself at the end of the day. And I feel really good about, you know, 90% of the decisions. <laughs> in business. So that says a lot. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's, you know, it's 2011. If a guy wants to talk to me, like I'm an idiot and I'm just some sort of weird Stepford housewife, then there's the last thing I'm going to do is do anything to help them with their business. So. Right. Right. Now, speaking of guys, <laughs> how do you kind of go from having a long-term crush on somebody that kind of goes unrequited to being surrounded by guys that maybe you could be interested in but aren't to meeting that first person? And and did they break your heart? Did you break theirs? Or was it just like, oh my gosh, I found, I, I found out what it felt like to fall in love and then it didn't last, but it was still great? Or, um, I mean, I think I've, I felt what it was like to be in love like at a really young age the guy that I had a crush on like from middle school on was just does he know now that you had oh, that crush well, I on think him? all of our friends knew I and mean, everybody oh, knew it was like I'm dying I wish I could yeah. see a picture of him no I mean he's he's wonderful and he's married and has a beautiful child now and it was just one of those things where I was like we're never going to work out but I think just I think having him like in a corner as like this person gets me yeah. that got me through a yeah. lot of stuff too and I think that that was important because I didn't feel particularly like pretty or popular or awesome or any of those things growing up and so I think having somebody who I was like this person's smart he's driven he's weird 
but all those things meant a lot to me. And yeah. so I just thought like, there'll be people like this out there. And there then you be. met one. And yeah, you- I mean, I met lots of them. Like I've met lots of awesome people that I've loved or liked before. And so I think that those things are, those are good to have in life. I don't know. I, I still, I have a hard time like in the last eight years since starting the site, like separating work from personal life. Sure. And it's something I struggle with in a big way. And I feel like I finally hit my stride when I started work. And now I'm like, I really have to find a way to like apply, apply that motivation to my personal life. I couldn't I don't agree know how to do or it empathize right more. I really am just it's struggling. hard, right? I mean, maybe talk about that for a second. Like the idea of, because that is something that women talk about is, um, yeah. is marrying ambition to understanding that you have to be able to disconnect and have the joy of your person your personal life and when you create your own business and it's your baby in essence that's got to be really tough to walk away from at the end of the day i feel like that's sort of what's missing right now from women's business education is and it's a whole different level when you have kids and stuff which i don't but i think trying to figure out how you balance like an extreme ambition and drive for work, you have to apply that to your life somehow because I treat my life as like an escape from all that. And I think that means that I don't pursue things as passionately in my own life as I should with work. And so I think that, you know, I just turned 30. And so I think that's one of like the things I plan on focusing on this year is figuring out how I apply that to my personal life. But I, I don't think anybody really has the answer yet. And I've been looking for it for a while. I spent part of my summer in Portland, Oregon this year because it seemed like a place where you could get away from it all. And I feel that too. <laughs> I feel like I was, I was, I do, I, there's a comedy, wonderful comedy festival called Bridgetown yeah. Comedy Festival there. And I was performing there this last um, spring. And I was like, I sounded like a crazy person, but I had rented a bike and was riding yeah. along the river. And I stopped the bike and I was like, guys, guys, to my LA friends, I was like, guys, look, like the way that people are hanging out with their dogs yeah. is like, 80 degrees more relaxed like somehow seeing that it was like oh that's real relaxing yeah Yeah. somehow the even playing with your dog in a dog park in LA now seems tense to me yeah it's just well I I realized for me the big difference was competition the way people in similar businesses treated each other Mm. and what success meant to, to people living there and i don't mean it at all in a degrading sense of like they expect less out of life more no. than they, a, a fullness and a richness of really everything so individual for each person there and they don't feel bad about that i feel like new york instills this thing in you that you should care what everybody else thinks about success la so, too yeah Please. it's like you can't just have a business that's profitable and that works and lets you do what you love your business has to be like in the New York Times and sell millions of things. And if you, you're so right, everybody I met in Portland was like, I pay my bills. I love, I'm an artist. I, you know, get to hang out with my friends. I go to the beach and I don't, none of those things exist, exist in New York. And if they do, almost everybody looks down at that person as like they're on their way out. Like, say goodbye to relevancy. What is up business. with that? That's so stressful, right? And, yeah. And I don't, and I, so I how was it when you, there. There. Yeah, when you were there? When you were there and, I missed the aggressiveness. Like, I, I just have that part of my personality that needs to be a little intense. And so I missed that intensity there. I think it exists in different niches, but it was not quite so apparent within the craft community there. Yeah. Um, I think it exists in the music community pretty intensely. But even then, it what, I, what struck me about Portland was how often everybody works together, mm. almost like incestuously. It was a really intense cross-pollination of like, this person's in this band, is in this band, is in this artist show, and... I actually found that really interesting because in New York, if you do the same business, you're almost forced to like hate each other because you're competing for the same perceived single customer or something. Yeah. And it's 
the opposite because in Portland, people almost should be more competitive because there are fewer customers with smaller budgets. But that's just not how they worked and everybody bartered for things. And there was a little bit of that that was overly utopian for me. But being there for a while really was just heaven. It was just this, I don't know, like a mental clean slate to be like, your life could be better. Like yeah. you, you could be a lot happier. And I think everybody in Portland knows that everyone thinks that about Portland when they go there. <laughs> That's why they all love it. So if there was a way to combine that attitude with a little bit more aggression, I would already be living there. Yeah. I feel like I hear that about both Portland's actually. I yeah. hear that about Portland, Maine also. That there's a, it, it draws a lot of really creative East Coasters mm-hmm. who are sort of exhausted yeah. by the experience of of living in New York, including yes. mutual friends of ours who yeah. have moved out there who just find that they get a lot of what they need there. Yes. But then then some of them also tell me the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. I kind of still... I didn't realize that all the stuff I hated about New York would in, would actually include a buzzing energy that yeah. I kind of needed to stay motivated I was in a different I was way. I move there. I was talking to people about how like how could I find a house and all this stuff, and then I got home and within like two days. I was like, "What was I thinking?" Oh, There's yeah. So much more energy here, but then then you immediately slip back into that like work twenty four seven mode. Yeah. And then when I went back for the book tour last week, I just I felt it all over again, and I was like, "Okay, part of me has to be here at least for right this chunk of the year." And but I I wanted go there with a conscious purpose and not like just checking out because I don't I don't want to become like a stereotypical Portland person who just like checks out and you know has chickens in their yard and stuff all that's fine it's just really not for (sighs) me so I want to like have a purpose to go back and I feel like if there was someone in town who had a little bit of like New York-y aggression to them yeah there'd be a way to organize people and and help them a little bit I don't know if they want that help but if yeah. they did, I'd be all over it. I don't know. You might be surprised. I mean, I, I think I think it, it does end up also being one of those cities like we talked about that people gravitate towards and then maybe have that yeah. a little bit of that longing and that hunger. And maybe if enough of them felt that, that something could kind of spring up out of it communally. Yeah, I hope communally. So. I mean, it's ripe for something huge to happen there. Do you travel outside of the United States much? Not that much. We are for the book tour that I'm on right now, but not By the not way, Grace normally. has a wonderful book that just came right before I left town. I pre-ordered it, and it came, and I think it's still wrapped in plastic, oh, a la Laura Palmer. Um, and then, Oh, this is the last question I was going to ask, and oh, this sure. actually has nothing. This is that I said I wasn't going to talk that much about the site, and I haven't, but... Um, what how did you kind of meet some of the like some of the different contributors and their ways into the design world are so creative and so yeah. wonderful the girls in san francisco who do the amazing floral oh, arrangements and yeah. um and then obviously living in that wonderful Generic. i mean it's that yeah. feels like so that feels so specific to our generation i could be totally yes. off base with that but that idea of taking these iconic films yes. um and guys if you have not checked this out i beg you to do so it's such a wonderful device to here's this kind of room here's this yes. f- here's this evocative experience that you get from watching this movie mm-hmm. and here's how to duplicate that with whimsy and yeah. humor and you know creative so creativity amy Merrick who writes it i have a lot of really amazing amys in my life <laughs> um she's one of them she just has impeccable taste like how do you how did you come to connect with these different people and how did you when did it become clear like not only do i want you in my world but i want you on my site i yeah. want you as a contributor um i think that's probably the best part of my job is being able to work with the people that i either have like crushes on for some reason or that i just think are fantastic and i always get nervous to ask somebody to write for the site because i'm afraid they'll be like no you're 
stupid. Turns but, out um, people like doing stuff. Like I was like, do. oh, I really That's... want Grace to do. I'm, I mean, we're talking about the exact same thing here. I'm like, I really want Grace Bonnie to do my podcast. What if she's like, uh, hello, I do Martha Stewart now. <laughs> Yeah, that's not me. Um, but people like to be asked to well, do that, stuff, especially they do. if they respect I mean, what I you do. I I have a little bit of a sort of self-consciousness about how girly the site is that I've built. And I think that I'm actually not that girly. And I think people expect me to like look like a cupcake when they meet me in person. And like, It's not that girly, in though. In fairness, it's not that girly. It's, it's, a, it's a nicely structured, very... I mean, it's. I don't okay. think I've seen a gajillion girlier sites. I send okay, my male okay. friends to it all the time. Like if I have a straight male friends who <laughs> yeah. are like, I need a blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I like mid-century yada, yada or yeah. whatever. I'm like, you need to be okay, on design sponge. So yeah, yeah no, no, no. So I think I'm a little self-conscious. So whenever we invite people who like, we just invited a new craft contributor, Matt, who works in Portland and works with like leather and, you know, like brass rivets and stuff. And I was like, man, he's going to turn us down in a hot second because we're not, we're too girly. But Mm-mm. he was so excited and he's like one of our good friends now. And I think I just pick people that I'm inspired by and I just sort of throw stuff at them and say like, do you want to do it? If so, what would you want to do? Like I never give someone a specific column. I always just say like, I love what you do. How do we translate what you do to work for this audience? And I just let them throw ideas at me and we pick one that works for them and we test it out. And that's the great thing about the web is that if it doesn't work out, you can just try something different. I mean, Amy Merrick, who does Living In, we've tried like five different columns with her and she just started a new floral column. And so I think the beauty of the site is being able to like find these creative people and give them a platform to test things out. And so I find them just through their blogs sometimes. I find them through all of our DIY contributors came from our main DIY contributor, Kate. And I think Kate, Kate was someone who won a DIY contest we had on the site. Nice. And I loved her project. And she said, like, if you ever need more projects, let me know. And now she's like one of our best friends. And it's just, it becomes this, you realize how connected this community is. Isn't that something? That's what I love yeah. about your site and about being excited about the craft world at large is that I'm so grateful for the kind of small town community thing that can happen yeah. across the world in this very homespun DIY, touchy-feely, yeah. like, we like making stuff, and then yeah. to be able to still connect with those people, thank God, via the internet, yes. it's, a, like, such an amazing marriage of old versus new Having to me. something in common is such a basic, universal thing. It's important for people to build friendships, and I'm so glad that I've gotten to play any tiny part in that. And we, there was a comment on the site the other day from this woman who was traveling in Iceland, and she was at, like, a store, and the woman didn't speak English, obviously, and she picked something up that she had seen on the site before and said to her like design sponge like this and the woman like pulled out a design sponge newspaper that she had somehow gotten that we, <gasps> that we did not distribute nice in the summer Whoa. and she just held it up to her and they like became friends because they both oh. read the site and I don't think that's so much about design sponge as it is about people connecting with things that are beautiful that mean something in their lives and I think that we've given them and other blogs have too a platform to do that connecting and yeah. I feel like whether we write about music or flowers or houses or movies, it's just about providing a platform for people to talk about the things they love. And that's what's most important to me. I love that. And I also feel like, I will say, though, not to brown nose you too much, though, but like the the attitude of what that entire world is does start at the top at its inception. Yeah. and. By and large, the great thing about the kind of DIY crafts and arts community is that it is people with such nice people. It's hard yeah. to meet someone who makes felt yeah. hamburgers who's also like a, <laughs> an obnoxious creep. Yeah. Um, 
but because you know because we all make sort of some some sacrifice to like be yeah. making what we love or like you said about your yeah. site like you know this is what this is the the way I've built it and it maybe yeah. doesn't mean that I'm going to be funneling in Donald Trump exactly. money you know but that um that you've created this umbrella of like a magnet that people I'm really using a lot of different it's an umbrella but it's a magnet <laughs> it's a magnetic umbrella where people where the where like-minded people are drawn and that there yeah. is this sort of spoken understood language of oh if you like this if you like living in if you like yeah. the stuff on design sponge if you want to know what's been going on at the you know the Massachusetts antique fair yada yada yeah. um then you're going to your guard is down in a sense yeah. like because you're like oh this is going to be somebody that i that i can kind yeah, of trust absolutely. immediately and like and, our, and think I mean, is a good what, person like our guard is down like we are not anybody different than we are i'm like i'm a little bit more aggro in person than i come across on the site but i think for the most part i am exactly who i am on the site so is everybody else who works with us and i, I think it. that that's that's really rare online most people have like a, a persona but i think i started early enough and i think i started with the goal of setting that example that i didn't have as yeah. best as i could i really wanted someone coming up to be like here's someone who has chosen integrity as much as possible sure. over money and that's that's taught as a bad decision like i get so many older men in business who say like oh you should be you know you should be selling your name on stuff and licensing and building and i'm like Snore. why that's not important to me it's and if and if that readers. organically like, comes out of what you're doing it'll be in a way that feels good exactly. to you and and they look at you like if your business hasn't you know tripled within the last two years that you're making a bad decision and i think the best decision you can make is to stay true to who you are and that's just not taught especially to women i think it's sort of like take the cheapest way out right it's not gonna last and i'm like i'm in this for the long haul so. well i think what you also are saying is um and i know i have to let you go to do a uh, television interview um <laughs> is that even though i mean I, I think some of the things that really stood out to me about this interview definitely include your point about the personal and professional worlds and the way that they feed into each other, mm -hmm. especially for women and especially for women who are entrepreneurs. But even though you know that you're, you need to focus on and your, your goal is to focus more on enriching your personal life in a way that you've enriched your professional one, it's also so clear that they are so connected that you are bringing that personal richness to your business and that your integrity is across the board. And a lot of people are disintegritous. I'm not even sure if that's a word in their work, but like are pretty good people in their lives. Yeah. And the fact that you have the same set of standards for everything is so inspiring. And it's in no way a surprise because it's what I would have hoped would come out of this interview but <laughs> um you're so awesome grace thank i, you. I, I like cannot thank you enough for doing this <laughs> guys um feel free to uh comment and and ask any questions if i can um funnel a question or two to grace who's incredibly busy as you heard um i will do so i'm hoping to get a nice picture of grace as a teen if oh, if yeah. with any luck i know she said that it was all on the inside but i'm still hoping to have some evidence of sleater and l7 adoration um and uh Anything you want to say to, to the nice folks before I... No, thanks for listening. And don't don't be afraid to make your own decisions. Don't make them for money. Make them for what you really love. Oh, my God. I love it. Um, I'm super motivated right now. And I know you guys all are. Let's go out and make cool stuff. All right. Thank you. Hey, remember when 
as always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 